Getting a voice. A voice. A voice. A voice. Voices. 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 Getting a voice. To young scientists. Greetings and welcome to Voices of Young Scientists, the podcast of the Global Young Academy. My name is James Curtis. I'm the press officer of the GYA, and I'll be your host. A focal point of the GYA is the annual general meeting and conference, during which time organizational decisions are made, working groups make plans for the upcoming year, and new members are inducted. It's really an intense week and features slogans like, roll up your sleeves and get to work, and my favorite, sleep is for the plane ride home. These meetings are a real highlight for members and alumni because they get to meet each other face-to-face, often for the first time, and working meetings often stretch long into the night. Despite leaving these in-person meetings exhausted, most members also leave feeling exhilarated, inspired, and resolved to action. This strange, buzzy mixture is due in large part to the amazing and inspiring people that you encounter at these meetings. People like Alexander Sasha Kagansky. Sasha, who hailed from Russia, was a GYA member from 2015 to 2020, and in this time he made countless meaningful connections and both initiated and collaborated on many inspiring projects. A passionate advocate for the environment, Sasha was a driving force of the Bio2Bio Working Group and had recently helped establish a branch institute in China. He was involved with cancer research, multimedia projects on the intersection of art and science, and had also decided that it was high time that humans unlock the language of marine mammals, like whales and dolphins, so that we might learn what they have to teach us. In short, Sasha was a talented, amazing person, the sort of person that was so full of life and ideas that you were moved to action to try and help him realize his visions. The kind of guy who could inspire a team of marine biologists and sound engineers to rig up speakers in an effort to communicate with seals and beluga whales. The kind of guy who coined terms like Vladi Woodstock, the name of a festival he established in the Russian city of Vladivostok, where he was the director of the Center for Genomic and Regenerative Medicine. <laughs> Vladi Woodstock. There was so much more to him, of course. He was an amazing, funny, inspiring, fantastically unique person. And I'm using the past tense here with great sorrow as we recently learned of Sasha's passing. To say that this news has rocked the GYA community is a drastic understatement. At the time of this writing, it's only been three days since we've heard of the tragic news, but the GYA has already held an impromptu memorial that was sorrowful and tear-jerking. The Zoom equivalent of a wake or a funeral service when so many of us shared our feelings of grief at his passing and gratitude at having known him. His passing was a terrible loss to many people, and he will be sorely missed. The rest of this podcast is an interview I conducted with Sasha back in 2018 about his work, as well as his experience with the Global Young Academy and his time as an executive committee member. I should mention here that this interview took place in beach chairs as we witnessed the sunset over the Gulf of Thailand in Pattaya during the 2018 annual general meeting. The background noises you hear are ocean breezes, 
the waves against the shore, and people frolicking on the beach. I should also mention here that Sasha sought me out to speak, just as he did with countless others during each of his AGMs, and he always left a really lasting impression. You never had a problem remembering Sasha's name after meeting him, and you most definitely walked away with some new idea or insight to mull over. I really can't say this enough. He was a fantastic guy. Here's our interview. My name is Sasha Kaganski. I am leading the new center for genomic and regenerative medicine at the Far Eastern Federal University in Vladivostok in Russia. That's quite a new um, thing we are developing. I'm only a year so far in this position. And before that, I was working in Edinburgh and Scotland for a number of years. And uh, uh, my field of studies is the cancer molecular biology. And we are trying to use different uh, approaches to uh, solve the cancer-related problems. Uh, main cancer that we are trying to uh, develop approaches to for is uh, gliomas and uh, main uh, method that we apply is we take uh, tumors from the patient from, from the operation the surgical waste and we make the cells grow in vitro in the cell culture and then that allows us both to study the biology of these cells and how different they are from uh, in different tumors and from normal brain cells and on the other hand it allows us to have enough cells to try different uh, treatments that we think could be the basis of uh, of the medicines in the future mm -hmm. and uh, Sasha how long have you been a member of the GYA and uh, why did you apply to be a member actually so this is my fourth meeting and uh, I have been for the three last three years in the GYA, two more to go. And uh, it, when the opportunity appeared, I was um, a Young Academy of Scotland member. So it is a similar approach to solving big problems, uh, not necessarily inside your domain of uh, studies, but it it's limited to, to Scotland and this organization I thought is great because it allows to uh, intermingle with uh, uh, peers uh, away, not only away from your discipline but also away, away from your culture and uh, that I think is the big benefit that it gives breadth not only in the, in the disciplines but also in the uh, cultural approaches and uh, geographical locations mm. and uh, so for me it felt like uh, I, I should try and uh, I'm very happy. You raised two two interesting aspects. Uh, the first one is the intercultural aspect of Global Young Academy but the second one uh, you mentioned the intermingling of, of yeah, skills, insights and, and so on from your peers. Has that had an impact on your research? Yeah, very much so. I, I feel uh, the pressure to change approaches very much, maybe too much. But this, uh, therefore, is a great uh, solution for my uh, 
inner desire because that gives the maximum uh, exposure uh, to different approaches even away from biology and natural sciences because I think that only you can you can only be sure that you are having to some degree a, a holistic approach to your problem when you look from different perspectives I think that uh, argument that is convincing in different uh, lexicons is, is more um, favorable for scientists because we tend uh, we tend to get locked up inside our uh, terms our approach because there are dominant uh, technical approaches the field the fields of studies they are taught in a similar way so I think giving your answers or questions a test uh, using different uh, philosophy system is 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 essential, mm. and likewise, I think that because there are slightly different uh, education systems in different in different countries, it's great to uh, to see how uh, different angles are taken in different uh, uh, countries on different continents mm. and so on. Despite mm. we believe that the <coughs> the science is is united, so we we. At the same time, we build bridges and try to keep it uh, simple. Now, it's ironic, actually, that scientists tend to be the most diplomatic of us all, right? Because we're having to do so much intercultural discussions and meeting at conferences, trying to build bridges in order to keep the science going and better it. No, diplomats have a different approach, don't they? That's well, right. So you're a part of the executive committee. Um, what? led you to be involved with that <clears throat> I wanted to to see how how it is from the inside because uh, there are always uh, things that you do not understand you know in the in the governance and you think things can be done different you know taken to a different you don't don't realize how much work is behind <laughs> right. is behind it all so I, I was happy to serve for a year on that and uh, I'm I don't know whether I will put myself forward for another year because it's it seems quite uh, quite a lot of work which you are you feel like you never do enough and uh, there's some some people we had our co-chairs they especially they they seem to be full-time on this job, which is a secondary commitment, uh, which they are not paid for. So mm, this, yeah. is, this is a great training and uh, in governance, I think, that, that, that allows, allows uh, people to try and uh, see how the reasonably big organization is, is decided mm. and uh, keep uh, nice doing that I yeah. think that's that's a great it's a challenge. lot of work I know that the co-chairs currently from they work weekends they work evenings it doesn't matter I mean you they send emails at all time of the day and night yeah, yeah and I well of course with their traveling schedule perhaps it's their daytime who knows yeah. my because but, I was uh, separated uh, by time from most of the most of the other EC members because most reside in Europe and some in uh, North America 
South America, but I was in Far East, so my EC meetings were at uh, midnight. They were starting oh, at midnight, between midnight and two. So I was I was a little bit uh, silly and exhausted. Uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, I was trying not to uh, fall asleep, because I was afraid that I will be sleep talking. <laughs> That's a funny comic aspect I hadn't thought about for those meetings. That's interesting. So you're not going to stand for EC, let us say. Um, are you going to continue supporting? Uh, in that respect, are you going to fall back and do more member or work group oriented things? And yeah, one of, one of the things I could do more on is go back to the working groups that I am a member of because there are so much uh, ways they can be helped being through the executive committee because as the member of executive committee I couldn't engage too much in that for both time reasons and mainly for fairness reasons you know because mm. I didn't want to do too much for them but uh, and also the experience uh, experience that I had I think could allow me to uh, be more easygoing about approaching anyone if I need to and I more or less see how things work uh, and therefore you know, it, it's a good experience. I would recommend to people. Um, Do you think it's something that new members could get involved with straight away? I think it could be. It could be good for uh, for new member. Maybe not for everyone. Not for every new member. But uh, maybe second year, definitely. Mm -hmm. But the first year, it might be a challenge because you you. As a new member, you think that there are solutions uh, to to all problems, and in fact, uh, you have to a lot of a lot of times you have to to do it yourself if you have a problem. And uh, yeah, I, I think we had a good term. Everyone was uh, very supportive. There was very little mis uh, misunderstanding, and yeah, other. EC members who served for the second or third year, they, 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 they said this was a productive year. Yeah. And it's good for uh, people to learn the, the ways through this. Because you see, you have, through this communication uh, from the experienced EC members, you see a lot of uh, very well-defined, uh, articulated uh, requests, letters, slides, so you build, uh, it's like a skill right. uh, development as well, right. I think. Because people express their uh, requests in different way, emotionally different yeah. and intellectually different. Mm -hmm. So I think if anyone would consider to do uh, more politically intensive uh, careers in the future, there's a lot of opportunity in, the, in being uh, in governance of the UIA because you more or less uh, prepare yourself for being in different cultural contexts, different uh, uh, situations. So I think that times may come when uh, scientists could play more roles in politics because uh, I mean that's I think a lot of what scientists from different disciplines discuss could be 
the solutions for for the politicians. So I think it, it would it would be it would be a nice way politics in the future could develop because the scientific interdisciplinary scientific communication has a lot of offer. You know, the scientists they they had a lot of training in solving in, in big 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 problems and in finding the compromises, convincing arguments to crack on uh, things that do not seem 100% proof. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see with lots of politicians nowadays, that they do not uh, stand you know, against the critique of, uh, of scientists and uh, they lose. I think in the future when uh, more and more people will uh, use the opportunity to get good good information the first hand information the, the scientists will 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 be more and more credible i think that would be wonderful if the world develops that way um we need to wrap up uh -huh. because of the dinner yeah i think we so maybe one or two more questions mm -hmm. to draw the interview mm -hmm. to a close yeah um is there anything that as an outgoing member of the EC that you would like to express to to the rest of the GYA? I would I would like to express as much as I could uh, my advice to join to try to, to take the risk because the risk is very small I mean the risk is that you you spend a lot of time on something that may not directly contribute to your scientific career in in your discipline but uh, uh, believe me, it could come back in a very uh, rewarding way because you not only meet uh, very interesting people, very unusual uh, minds and people who genuinely try to change things for better and uh, do things in a more just way and more um, reasonable way. But also, I think you can encounter the projects that you didn't think about. You may encounter solutions that were there for already quite some time, using evidence from a different discipline that, that is complementary to, uh, to, uh, to your field. And that is fascinating. Things that would take ages uh, in your domain may be solved by a combination of, of, um, of facts raised by uh, different disciplines. And also it's great fun uh, being in different uh, places, different cultural contexts and learning different things about uh, this planet. It really places you outside of your comfort zone, right? Sometimes. And, and also you, I think it also contributes to the peace, you realize that everyone is the same despite the cultural differences, that you realize there's a, a very big need in all corners of the world to to find the common language and that's a good practice for it, it's a chance. For sure. Sasha, thank you so much for your time and the interview. Thank you. Look, look at the sky. That last part where Sasha says, look at the sky. He was drawing my attention to the sunset, which was majestic at that time of the year in Thailand. Just a bit later that night was a dinner 
and Sasha showed up in this really striking turquoise paisley print vest with a gigantic Count Dracula collar. He was the hit of the party, of course, and at his GYA memorial, more than one person mentioned it with fondness. The words that seemed to come up most often at that memorial were inspiring and determined. And many of us agreed that moving forward, we ourselves are determined to live up to Sasha's high ideals and keep his spirit alive in the GYA through our own inspired work and cooperation. Sasha, through his actions and through his life's work, set the standard pretty high for us though, and hopefully we can live up to his example. Rest in peace, my friend. This episode of Voices of Young Scientists was produced by James Curtis for the Global Young Academy.